0: Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 278 of the Ask the Coach show, where Pings Hills helps you improve your table tennis. This is our first episode for 2017, so we'd like to wish everyone a Happy New Year. Alois, did you do anything big for New Year's?
1: Uh, no, we were at home, and uh, but yeah, we usually uh, try and stay at home for New Year's and uh, celebrate here. So, and and yeah,
0: the big very- question... Did you stay awake until midnight? Uh, I got to
1: one o'clock in the morning, thanks, Jeff. You know, like I, I partied, you know, till till one.
0: Well done. Yeah, very, very good. <laughs> yeah, we had some uh, friends over and we had some young kids in. So we watched the, the apparently one of the best family movies, The Goonies. I'd never seen it before and, you know, it wasn't bad. And that took us to about five to 12. And then uh, so we were up to midnight as well. If I
1: if I had sat and watched a movie, I would never have made it till twelve o'clock. So we were just uh, out and about and chatting.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, alloys cannot watch a movie without falling asleep. <laughs> I have I have
1: actually been to two movies recently, Jeff, and only fallen asleep like intermittently.
0: Wow, there yeah, you go. So, so you're becoming you become a real movie and a movie buff. Exactly. Uh, any good movies did you see?
1: Uh, no. Well, La La Land, mm, uh, it's okay, you know, like, but. Um, uh, a lot of United, Yeah. Yes. But United Kingdom was good.
0: Ah, okay.
1: I recommend that to people. Can't remember what it was about, but, you know, it's a good movie.
0: <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, and in other exciting news, alloys, we have just passed 100,000 subscribers on YouTube.
1: Yes this morning about uh 20 minutes ago we uh went over 100,000 subscribers on YouTube so currently 100,005 if you're not on there get on there and add it to add it to the tally
0: Absolutely yeah. so thanks everyone yeah who would have thought 100,000 people subscribing to the ping skills YouTube channel thank you All right Alois um we've Chatted long enough, it's time to get into, you know, the big segment of this show on this day.
1: Yes, of course. Well, we've got some exciting birthdays. Uh, well, we've had a bit of a, a break from it, but uh, but all these birthdays uh, in the last week. So, um, firstly, my favourite name in uh, World Table Tennis, on the 6th of January, it was Cedric Noitink's birthday, <laughs> Cedric Noitink from Nootink. Belgium. No, I've got it wrong again. I haven't had practice for a while, but um, I'm sure I'll be told. Peter's so, not
0: going to be happy with you. No, no
1: exactly. So Cedric Noitink's birthday was the 6th of January. And then um, 7th of January, uh, one of my favorite choppers in the world, Jonas Panagiotis.
0: Very popular Greece. player. Yeah,
1: and um, and, a, and a fair dentist too, by the way, um, and uh, and then a, a run of three birthdays of the Chinese national team: Zhu Xin on the eighth, uh, Fang Bo on the ninth, and Zhu Yuling on the tenth of January. So uh, all of those three um, Chinese national team members all born very close to the start of the year, and we did have a bit of a discussion last year about uh, the relative age effect. And uh, we did say that uh, the Chinese national team tended to have a lot of birthdays early in the year.
0: Mm, Very interesting. Except for Ma Long, who's born in October, just an outlier. Exactly. One of those outliers
1: probably just uh, was going to be great no matter what.
0: (laughs) Indeed. Oh, well, that's interesting. There you go. A lot of good uh, birthdays. Now, Who's a good dentist, Alois? Uh, Jonas Panagiotis. Really? He is,
1: yeah. He apparently is a dentist.
0: There you go. All right. So if you need your teeth fixed up and you're in Greece, look him up. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. Now, it is early on in the year, Alois. So for our tip of the week, we thought we would, um, you know, do some planning.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think um, I think it's now a really good time of the year for a lot of people to, uh, you know, to to do a little bit of planning around what they're going to be doing with their table thinners for the year. I mean, if you're playing in a league, you're probably in Europe, um, you're probably halfway through your league. But I think you know the the new year always brings a, a new and exciting time and. Um, we tend to sit and reflect so um with that i think it's it's a good time to plan your year ahead of table tennis so what sort of things do you do you need to think about firstly i suppose the the main thing is um what you want to achieve um during the year as in um, you can set yourself some goals. You know, they don't have to be hard and fast goals, but just set yourself some some goals and some things that you think that you would like to achieve by the end of 2017. It might be to uh, be able to do, you know, 24 hands in a row, or it might be to reach the uh, quarterfinals of the World Championships, whatever it is, um, Just if you've got that in your mind, then when you go out and do your training or do your practice or, you know, have a hit with your friends, um, then you're aiming towards something. And I think, you know, as I said, now is probably a good time to set those little goals in place. The next thing is to just think about, you know, how often um, and when you're going to uh, play your table tennis or train or, or compete in table tennis. So it might be to set out, Um, a competition um, schedule for yourself if you're at that level or it might be to work out in your weekly uh, routine what time do I really have for my table tennis you know do I get an opportunity on a Monday night after work um, because I don't have any other commitments to just spend an hour on my table tennis or it might be that um, you know if you're um, a more serious player that I'm going to commit myself to um, four training sessions a week um, on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever it is, um, and you know set yourself the times. So by doing that, again, you're just starting to plan around what you're going to do. Those those might change a little bit, but if you don't have that plan in mind, then Comes Monday, you sit on the couch. Come Tuesday, you sit on the couch thinking, oh, I should go and do some table tennis practice. Um, and, you know, comes Friday, you think, oh, I haven't been down to the hall at all this week. So um, so just putting that in place, I think, makes it a lot easier for yourself.
0: Yeah, it's a good tip. Now, Alloys, back when I used to play, I guess I was they um, it old school these days, but we used to get like a big yearly calendar that you could fit on a wall. And um, you could just, you know, put in all your competitions and some training time and you could see it like in one big sheet up on the wall. Um, you know, I used to love doing that at the start of the year, really good to, you know, just plan out everything. Um, but I guess these days kids probably do it with, you know, digital technology.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i probably the next step up and do it on Excel, but, yeah, kids today will be doing it on who knows what. But um, But, you know, just even on your calendar, just start to put things in place and, um, and just write them down so that you then have them have them there. And you have some sort of plan going forward to what you're going to do with your table tennis. And, you know, life's busy nowadays and it's so easy to just let, um, one part, one area of your life just slip away. Um, and table tennis, you know, being a sport or a recreation, um, or a hobby for, for you out there, um, you know, sometimes it just gets shoved uh, to the back burner. And it is important to, to maintain that, that physical, um, uh, you know, uh, activities and things during the year as well for yourself. So, yeah, put it in place now.
0: All right. Excellent. So um, that is our tip of the week. Plan for the year ahead. So, yeah, take some time. Um, sit down for an hour or so and, uh, and plan out your table tennis year. Excellent. All right. Now, Alois, let's get on to the drill of the week. What, what do we have for people this week?
1: Yeah, so the drill of the week this week, again, I haven't put in a specific drill, but I'm just um, going to talk a little bit about how you can expand your drill. So, so often when we do drills, so if I'm doing a footwork drill myself, for example, I'll always put it to your backhand corner. Um, for example, for the whole drill. So during the drill, um, if you're playing one to my backhand, one to my forehand, I'm going to always put the ball to your backhand corner, which is which is fine. And I think that's a good way to start the drill. But you'll find that it, what that does is it gets you in a very simple mindset of knowing where the ball is going. So you don't need to make that decision while you're doing the drill. What I'd like you to do now is start to open up that decision-making. So not that you are always going to play to the backhand, but um, every one out of six or one out of ten balls, you're allowed to play the ball um, into the middle or down the line or, or whatever it is. Um, but just getting away from that um, rigid mindset of this is where I know where the ball's going um, to it to opening it up, to allowing yourself to make some decisions. You'll be surprised that it actually becomes a little bit harder to do the drill when you have more options. Um, So you think, oh, well, it's it's easier because now I can hit the ball wherever I want. But by opening up that decision-making, you'll find that initially you will find it a little bit harder because you need to process that decision of where you're hitting the ball as well as hitting the ball.
0: Okay, so so if I'm the one doing the drill, yeah, I've got more options, so I've got to think a little bit more. But then also as the blocker, um, I need to think a bit more then too if the ball might come to somewhere else.
1: Yeah, exactly. So so it now makes the drill a little bit more exciting or, or relevant for the blocker uh, in the drill as well. So, yeah, as you said, Jeff, I, as a blocker now, I'm just not going to be able to sit on my backhand and basically go to sleep. Um, I need to be aware that at any time that ball might be coming to another position on the table. So um, so my blocking actually improves a lot because um, it's now, again, watching and making the decision between where the ball is coming, reacting to that, and then blocking the ball as well.
0: Ah, good. So is this something we should be doing with every drill we're doing or kind of just use it sparingly?
1: Yeah. Um, it can be an extension of any drill that you're doing. So if you're starting to find the drill um, easy or too easy or um, it's um, you know, becoming boring, then certainly don't just keep doing that same drill. Look for ways of trying to expand the drill and and um, and make it a little bit more complex for yourself So and making it a little bit more game-like.
0: Yeah, and I think just as a general theme, that's a, that's a good idea, isn't it? If you're starting to get bored or you're not concentrating then, yeah, you just need to change something up that, that, that'll give your mind a bit more focus.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's just a good next option of, uh, of where you can go to with your drill. That's right.
0: Brilliant. All right, everyone. So, yeah, this week, get out on the table and, and take on Alloys' advice. Um, don't just hit the ball to one place. Um, try this as an extension to any of your drills. Great, uh, great drill of the week there. Alloys, excellent. All right, now for the tournament wrap, Alois, we're going to go back and look at last year's ITTF Star Awards, which we didn't haven't talked about on this show yet. But, um, you know, it's a great initiative by the ITTF, um, and they seem to be getting more and more popular each year.
1: Yeah, so the Star Awards, I, I think, you know, they started slowly. Uh, I suppose as any new award-type thing start, uh, starts, but, um, yeah, that, it is starting to uh, grow some legs. And I think... It's now, you know, they've, they've got some really good categories in there too. Um, we were a bit um, uh, critical of the awards initially when they came out because I think, uh, who was it? But, um, was it Quadri Aruna?
0: It was, yeah, Aruna. Yeah, that,
1: yeah, that won the um, the Male Star of the Year Award. And I thought, and, I, and at the time we talked about it, well, he's not really the male star in table tennis. And yeah. I think that detracted from the – from the prestige of the award. Yeah. But, um, but now I think the, the ITTF has changed their thinking with that, and they've also um, introduced a Breakthrough Star Award.
0: Yeah, I like that uh, but, a lot. Yeah, it's really yeah. good.
1: Which I think, you know, Aruna would have fitted into perfectly in the year that he won the ITTF Star Award. But um, just going through the the list of the winners, so the male Star of the Year award, um, and um, no surprises. And I think that's good, you know, because because then um, I think it's going to a worthy winner. And the winner was Ma Long.
0: You, you um, couldn't pick anyone else, could you?
1: No, exactly. <laughs> he's he's just done everything um, possible in. Um, in the last 12 months, you know, uh, world champion, um, Olympic champion, you know, that's it. Um, the female star, I suppose there were a few options there, but again, ding Ning, Yeah, uh, worthy winner. Yeah, worthy winner. Um, again, Olympic champion, um, world champion takes it. Um, the female para um, star of the year was Liu Jing, who has um, – just just won her third consecutive para gold medal.
0: That's incredible. Uh, Three in a row. That's yeah. in any sport in any field. That's pretty hard to do. I mean, yeah. Look at Usain yeah, Bolt. It's, it's oh. a
1: great achievement, and uh, and again a worthy winner. Um, in the male para awards, um, the the award went to Lauren Devos from uh, Belgium. Again, um, really good choice. Um, fantastic player incredible youngest male paragol medalist at just 16 years of age um if you watch this kid play he um he is a superstar uh left-handed of course jeff um but um but a really nice style really smooth action um and will do a lot of great things in uh, para sport but uh, but also in able body sport as well Wow, uh, yeah. going forward, yeah, great. So just yeah. sixteen years of age and a really, really high level. Very, um, very then the impressive. And the start point of the year. Oh, but before uh, you went, get onto that, Aloys. Uh, Fan Sen dong's Dong's uh, little roll around the net and under the net, where the ball just dropped off the net, and he um, he just lifted the ball up and uh, and rolled it on the other side. So um, we might be able to put a link to to that on the show.
0: Yeah, so yeah Alois, that was good um, to start but, point, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Absolutely. That was
1: brilliant. A, but incredible shot. So, uh, so well done to fans dong for that. Um, and the sportsmanship award of the year went to Rinad Fati, um, who, and, and I think this is another really good one. Um, in, um, I think it was the African championships. Um, she gave, um, awarded the point to her opponent or, um, acknowledged an edge when the, both the umpires didn't see um see the point and that was a 12 11 in the fifth in fifth and deciding game and uh, as a result she ended up losing the match so um so that's yeah a nice nice acknowledgement of um some excellent sportsmanship for renard fati oh wow so and then the the last thing that they did uh, at the star awards was the inductees to the Hall of Fame, and uh, three inductees this year, Ding Ning, Liu Shiwen, and Zhu Zin. So all very, very worthy award winners.
0: Wow, that's really good, Aloys. Um, now, can you hear me, Aloys?
1: Yes. So,
0: yeah. no, You can't hear me, Aloys. This is, is terrible.
1: Ding Ning, Liu Wen and Zhu Zin.
0: <laughs> now, um, for some reason, Alois can't hear me. I'm okay. To... How about how about now? Hear me. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can. I can. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, because yeah, during that, I was trying to break in a couple of times, but you just kept talking. So people are going yeah, to well, wonder what was going on, but he couldn't well, hear me. He was just too... No, no I, I actually could. I'm just ignoring you, Jeff. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 ah, dear, too funny. Um, now, when you were talking about the Paralympics, Alice, I was trying to break in because, you know, we've got quite a few stars ourselves in Australia here, and uh, we did a Ping Skills show on the Paralympic Games, which, if you haven't seen, go to pingskills.com, click on the blog link, and go to the Ping Skills show sections, and you'll find. The Paralympic Games there because you talked a lot about your experiences with the Paralympic Games, Alison. I think it's um, you know a really good episode. So um, get on board and check that out. All righty, it
1: it was was a good one. Um, Yeah, so we had um, yeah Sam von Einem who went on to win a silver medal at this year's this year's or last year's Paralympics. So which was a huge uh, huge effort for an Australian player.
0: Indeed. All right. Well, um, it is called the Ask the Coach Show, Alloys, and we have quite a few good questions today. So, are you ready to answer them? I certainly am, Jeffrey. All right, good one. Now, um, this one could could apply to a lot of people, maybe, maybe not. It's it's titled "Playing Unfit," and Ernst asked the question. He said, "Yesterday, I played table tennis in not a perfect shape. I got a fever." But I was still insisting to play. Usually, I can land the ball perfectly on the table, but yesterday, almost all of my balls went straight to the net or went out of the table. Does it mean I'm still lacking consistency in playing table tennis?
1: Yeah, no, not really, um, Ernst. It, it, it's more about. Um, I mean, you know, table tennis is has so many different factors um, to it. You know, like. Um, your fitness is one. Your ability to um, to you know put things put things in place. Um, it, you know it can be it can be how you sleep. Uh, it can be your opponent on the day. So there's lots and lots of factors. And certainly you know um, if you're feeling sick, it's it's a reason that you may not um, um, play as well um, on the days. So so I think um you know don't don't blame yourself too much um but just see it as a reason um, you know if you're sick you know sometimes you just don't play as well um so yeah you just got to accept it
0: Yeah exactly I think um you know, you know I've played um when I was sick sometimes and you just don't feel as well I don't think it's good to judge yourself on those days um, Yeah
1: that's right Interestingly though Sometimes when you feel sick, players actually perform better. Um, and and I put that down to um, when you're in that sort of state, sometimes you just relax a little bit more. So rather than, you know, worrying about the, the – or sweating the small stuff, you, uh, you just start to focus a little bit more on what you need to focus on, um, you know, because you're not feeling well. Um, and, you know, and it happens – relatively often, that, um, that, you know, you might feel unwell but actually perform well
0: on the yeah, day. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, pressure is a funny thing, isn't it? You know, if you put too much pressure on yourself and then, you know, maybe being six just relaxes that, yeah, I could see how that could happen. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good. All right, well, let's get on to the next question, which is called Mind Games from Nigel. And he says, do you have any advice about mind games? He says, I recently played in a match in my local league and I was just about to start serving in the third game of the match and it was one all, so it was really close. An opponent who I just lost to in a close match was watching and he called me over and said... I needed to throw the ball higher on my serve. And that's never been said to Nigel before. And he's, you know, he's usually very close to the six inches, so he didn't think it was a problem. And being a local league, most people don't complain Is you're not really gaining an advantage. And he said the umpire also said nothing and the visiting team said nothing and his opponent hadn't said anything. So his own team afterwards told him that that player who told him was probably one of the worst people at this and, you know, He was um, not always serving perfectly. Um, So he asked the opponent who sat down to leave the decision to the umpire, but it put him off his game, Aloys, and he ended up losing that game 2-11 and ended up losing the match. So the opponent who made the comment went on to play another match, and, yeah, he, he wasn't serving legally either. So in hindsight, this Nigel thought that this guy only made this comment to put him off, so he... He says he turns to be a nervous player, and so he wants to know how can he keep his concentration and how do you deal with these mind games from the opposition?
1: Yeah, so, so Nigel, I mean, whether it was mind games or not, it's obviously affected your performance. So I suppose that's what we need, re, need to really focus on. Um, so, you know, often, often it can be those little things that do affect us quite, um, quite markedly in a, in a match situation. You know, the, the the guy might have been saying it quite, you know, openly and innocently and, you know, not trying to affect you. But the fact that it has affected you, um, I suppose, just opens it up now to, to um, get us to start to think about, you know, how it affected you and what we can do in those situations. I suppose that the first thing is just starting to think about, how that affected you physically. So you would have had some different feelings in your head and body and legs even perhaps um, when – he started um, talking to you about your serve so you might have started to become angry you might have been anxious you might have um, you know been upset all of those things um, and what that does is it drags your mind away from the things that are really important in a match situation so what's what's important for us to to get our mind to focus on ultimately it's the ball um, it's also about Tactically, what we're going to be doing in that next point—it's thinking about that next point that's ahead of us. If your mind has been dragged away to, oh, geez, you know, that guy's just trying to upset me, um, or um, or it might just be that, oh, I'm really worried now about my service action. Then that is affecting your thought process, and it's taking away, as I said, from the things that are really important to to. to your performance on the table focusing on the ball focusing on your tactics for the next point so developing a pre-point routine and we talk we have talked a bit before about pre-point routines if you can develop a pre-point routine then that helps you to get that get your mind back into the right place before you play the point
0: yeah i think that's a good tip this whole discussion just reminds me of some, you know, more mind games in a way, Alois. Um, like sometimes in this example here, maybe even just the fact that Nigel starts to focus on his serve like consciously can can be an issue as well. Because I guess you learn all these skills so you can almost perform them unconsciously. I guess, you know, the example people use is like driving. When you first learn to drive, it's really hard and your, everything is, you know... You've got to learn everything step by step, but then eventually you can just do it without thinking. And you table tennis you kind of want to do that as well, like serve without thinking. But if you start to consciously think about it, it, it kind of affects your play. And I remember someone you know saying that if you want to play some mind games on someone that seems to be you know playing really well against them, you can say something like, "Hey, you seem to be playing that forehand really well. What have you changed about that forehand recently?" And that might get that player to start thinking about their forehand a bit more consciously rather than just letting it happen.
1: <laughs> that, 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 uh, that could be a, a good little sneaky one, Jeff, but we none of our ping skills would do anything like that, I'm sure.
0: Of course um, not.
1: The, the other one that I heard was yeah, something along similar lines, and that was you know, as you walk past them at the change of ends, say, um, when you're playing that really good forehand, do you breathe in or out? <laughs> so, there you uh, go
0: yeah
1: as, as you said just getting them uh, back to the conscious rather than the uh, subconscious uh when they're playing their strokes and um, can really m- muck you up
0: yes but i guess if you are aware of those tactics you can kind of um just like you said have ways to deal with them if you just focus on your pre-point routine just focus on the ball um then, then those are all ways to, you know, keep you playing at your best.
1: Yeah, and and for, for those that hadn't, haven't heard about the pre-point routine um, before, so a pre-point routine is just a little routine, it, you know, it needs to be very short because it's something you're going to do in between points, so you've got five seconds or, you know, ten seconds or so, and it could be something like um, taking a deep breath, Um, focusing on your breathing and then focusing on uh, the ball as you walk up to serve or focusing on the um, on the ball as your opponent um, is ready to serve. So just something simple like that. So that routine, if you're doing it, you know, all the time as a routine um, helps you just to get uh, your mind away from, you know, things like um, your opponent telling you that you, that you're, um, not serving correctly or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, indeed. And it's something you've got to try and practice regularly. It's not something you should just use when you start to feel like this because the whole point of it is that this is part of your normal routine so it makes you feel normal. So you you do have to do it regularly.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: All right. Um, Thanks, Nigel. Great question. The next one is uh, from Termotopy who wants to know about timeouts, Alois. He says, when are the very best moments to call a timeout in a tournament?
1: Yeah, so um, so different people use different, I suppose, strategies with the timeout, but some of the things that you need to think about are, um, firstly, is your opponent um, on a bit of a run? So, you know, have they have they got a lot of momentum? And will the timeout just break that momentum um, For for them um you know they they might have uh you know just won five or six points in a row you you might have been five three up you're now eight three eight five down um and you know can you just break that momentum of your opponent by taking that one minute break Um, and that it can often be very effective the other thing is um if you're a bit unsure about um your own tactics and, you know, if you've got a coach in your corner and you want a little bit of time to discuss that with your coach. So, um, now, uh, with the, with the new coaching rules, I mean, your coach can yell out things at you, but it, you can't really stand there and have a discussion. So ha- taking that one minute time out, will give you the opportunity to, to, um, to have that discussion with your coach on, you know, it might be all right. You know, this guy is really starting to get onto my, um, forehand topspin and he's and he's um hitting it away for winners all the time um what do i need to do in that situation do i need to change the positioning or the speed or or whatever it is with my topspin or it might be what type of serve do i need to do so so having the get having the opportunity to have that time out gives you that time for that discussion with your coach or even just to go over the corner even if you're by yourself and just think about it for a minute um you know rather than trying to um work your way through it in the 10 seconds between points. Take that time, take the time out, um, and try to work it through. The other, um, time I think, uh, you can think about a timeout is if you are starting to feel nervous. So if you're starting to feel that, you know, uh, under a bit of pressure, it might be that, um, you know, you were 10 six up and you've just lost the next two points and you think, Oh gee, I, I'm starting to doubt myself here. Um, Taking the time out to have the opportunity to take, you know, some nice, long, deep, slow breaths, calm yourself down, get back to that um, tactical thinking. Um, so instead of just having that 10 seconds um, for your pre-point routine, um, again, you've got one minute to, um, to utilize, to think things through um, for yourself, calm yourself down. Um, get yourself into a better mental state to be able to win that next point. So so there's there's some um, ideas. Um, as far as when people often take them, it's, it's funny. I see this a lot. Um, players and coaches will often, 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 often take a time out um, when you're um, facing your final set. So, you know, you might be 2 love down in sets um, or you might be 2-1 down in sets and a best-of-five. And when you go three points down, um, it's amazing how many times people will take a timeout in that situation. So um, so that's one really common time. But I find that the Chinese players um, tend to take their timeouts a lot earlier in matches. And they'll take the timeout even at the end of the first set. If the first set's close and they think that it's really important They try to close out that first set, they'll take that timeout. Uh, then and there. Um, so, yeah, if you want, if you just watch what the Chinese players do, they do tend to take their timeouts, uh, t- usually towards the end of a set, but often um, in an earlier set in the match.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because when you were talking about, you know, an ideal time to take it, or everything you were talking about was about how you were feeling um, and not really related to the score of the match. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I mean, if you if you look at it that way, then you're probably better off not thinking about oh I'll save it till the last set or I'll save it until I need it till this point. And I guess if the Chinese are taking it at different times earlier, maybe they're thinking along those same lines as well.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you if you can if you can close out the second set and go two love up instead of one all, um, you know that that's a huge uh, impact on the match.
0: Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, now, in terms of the importance of timeouts during the match, because I guess, you know, if you call that and at, say you one set up and you call it at the end of the second set, but you end up losing it, well, is it like a double loss because you, you've used up your timeout and it didn't work? Um, so how important are timeouts like to the outcome of a match?
1: Um, I, th- I think that they can be quite important, and you do feel like that. If you utilise your timeout and lose the set, it's almost like a waste a wasted timeout. Um, you know that—that's certainly how the players feel about it. So mm. um, yeah, so it almost puts a little bit more pressure on you again to uh, to win the set, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, good questions and a lot to think about. But yeah, I uh, uh, yeah, I think that. Yeah, it's important to kind of watch your feelings and um, probably utilize them, yeah, as you said, like when you're nervous or when you're unsure about some tactics. Um, Yeah, I think that's probably a better way to think about it rather than a specific, you know, scoreline. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. All right, another great question. All right, now the next question is about a service rule from Brian and we get this a lot. He says... um, am I allowed to catch the ball and toss it up again during the service? I've played tennis for six years, and I know I'm allowed to do it in tennis, and I was wondering if it's the same for table tennis.
1: Yes, Brian, unfortunately not. Um, so uh, if if you've already thrown the ball up, then the ball is in play. So you have to um, hit it and, um, and complete a, a proper serve um, to win the point. So if you throw the ball up and catch it, you lose the point automatically. Um, And I suppose the the thinking behind this compared to tennis is that it's an indoor sport, so you don't really have to battle with the sun or the wind or or things like that with the ball toss. Um, So, um, yeah, so once you you do throw the ball up in the air, it's in play, have to hit it. And if you don't, lose the point.
0: Yep. Excellent. All right, Uh, thanks for the question, Brian. We get asked that one a lot, so good to uh, be able to answer it here. Uh, next question is from Mehmet who says, I want to ask how many minutes we have to warm up, uh, on the table.
1: Yeah. So, um, in a match situation, Mehmet, the, the rule is that you've got two minutes on the table, um, before, before a match, but Mehmet in the question, he also put a, 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 um, a link to a video where, Um, a couple of players were warming up, but that was in the practice hall before a match. So in um, international competitions, and this won't apply to most of us, but in international competitions, um, you usually get allocated a a specific warm-up table, which isn't in the main playing arena. arena, And, you know, you get allocated that table for 45 minutes or so uh, before a match. So, um, most players will utilise about half an hour to forty-five minutes to warm up um, on the table before a match, um, before they get out on the court. So that then that two-minute warm-up on the table is basically just a familiarisation and um, you know settling the nerves down during that during that two minutes.
0: Yeah, and they're already you know ready to go and yeah, prepare yeah, for and the I, match.
1: Yeah, that's right, and and I think that's a really important point jeff that 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 once you complete your warm-up um then you do really need to be ready to go and ready to play that first point um i often you know hear from players who say oh i I start quite slowly um and i think this is one area that you can um start to really explore um to overcome that and and that's your warm-up and what you're doing in the warm-up and how how much you're doing in the warm up. So, so try to try to get your warm up as vigorous as vigorous as you, vigorous as you can. Um, you need to be sweating. You need to have um, you know done some basic things like some forehands, backhands. Um, but then you also need to have <coughs> reached a level where you're actually playing some points and playing you know playing some practice games because you don't want to walk out there for the first. Point that you're playing, and that's the first time that you've served for the day, or you know, it's the first time you've served for an hour or two.
0: Yeah, so, especially with service being such a fine motor skill. Yeah, that's really important. Yeah,
1: so so make sure that you complete a, a you know a good warm up, as good a warm up as you possibly can. Um, you know, in the circumstances, in a league match, for example, you may you just may not have that opportunity to to have 45 minute um, hit up. You know, and in, in most cases, that would be true that you that you don't have that um, opportunity so you need to do um, a lot of that hitting you know at the start of the night when you get there and then in between matches you know doing something like um, a physical warm-up so that you are physically active sweating but also you can just spend some time thinking uh, about the match uh, beforehand you know just spend a minute or two just thinking um, uh, what Type of serves, tactics um, you're going to utilise during that match.
0: Yeah, great tips, great tips. And if you want somewhere to store all those tactics, go to the Ping Skills Vault at pingskills.com. <laughs> Check it out, the vault. It,
1: it's um, it's a it's a really good tool and. Um, I think our members just don't utilise it enough, Jeff. I think um, I think there's lots of opportunity for uh, for a lot of you to to utilise the ping skills vault more. Um, so what you can do with the vault is you can go in there, you can record your opponents. Um, you can, uh, as far as you know, what tactics you've used, what their strengths and weaknesses are, um, and then you've got that always as a record, so that the next time you play them, you you can just have a look back um, but also you can record in there things that you've done well or badly during your match so that when you go back to your training situation um you can uh, access that and say oh, okay I, now i remember yeah so last, last week i played this guy and he was um pushing along to my backhand and my backhand topspin wasn't working so so that's something that you can take to your training session and utilize there so so ping skills get onto the the ping skills vault utilize it um a bit more and uh, you'll see you'll see the benefits for your game
0: awesome excellent all right alice well that wraps up all the questions so uh that is show 278 done Uh, so first one for the year
1: yeah absolutely and uh and a momentous day one hundred thousand YouTube subscribers.
0: There you go. So yeah, thank you, everyone. Thanks for all your support. And um, yeah, may two thousand and seventeen be a happy and prosperous new year for you.
1: Absolutely. Good luck, uh, Pink Skillers, and uh, we'll be back soon.
0: Sounds good. Bye, everyone.